When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Rob and Wheelhouse Show, the best Astros podcast ever. In this episode, we are joined by Adam Clanton from the A-Team on Sports Talk 790 in Houston. It's a great conversation filled with Astros talk and some insider stuff that Wheelhouse and I do not have access to. Plus, Adam Clanton does some very good impressions. You're not going to want to miss that. Uh, we did encounter some technical problems once again. Uh, while having more than two guys on the show, we're going to try to figure that out, so bear with us. So I did edit the show as good as I could with the little skill that I have. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the Rob and Wheelhouse show with special guest Adam Clanton. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to the Rob and Wheelhouse show. This is Wheelhouse. I've got Rob here with me, and today we've got a special guest that has agreed to take time out of his busy schedule. Um, it is Sports Talk 790's very own Adam Clanton. Hey, Adam, how's it going today? What's up, guys? How are you? Man, man we're great. Um, guys, if y'all don't know Adam Clanton, if you're not in the Houston area, um, he is one of the most awesome voices on the air. He's got He's got many talents, not only does he host, or I should say co-host, the A-Team with Adam Wexler, but um, he's, he's had stints on, um, on our local, you know, Channel 2 Houston, um, you know, broadcast. He also does some Houston Rockets broadcasts as well, does some color commentating, has gotten to sit in with, with Craig Ackerman, and um, maybe we can get into this here in a little bit. He also is known for some of his impressions. And so um, he's, <laughs> Oh yeah. I'd like to hear some of those. <laughs> so, so Adam, we're just, we're just super stoked to have you on and we just appreciate you um, stopping by. Oh, absolutely, man. I'm, I, it's really not that busy of a schedule, by the way, it's uh, it's all smoke and mirrors. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. So, so Adam, um, because I have the opportunity, you know, to listen to you daily, because I'm in here because I'm in Houston. I know Rob's in San Antonio. Um, I was, I was just going to ask you um, a couple things. Have you, have you always been, I mean, have you lived in Houston your entire life or did you move here as a kid and kind of, kind of take us to your journey of like how long you've been here and maybe when you, when you first broke into radio and TV type of type of things. Yeah, well, I'm not a native Houstonian as much as it cuts me to the heart to say that. Um, my dad is, though. So he, he and his family grew up here uh, in the Spring Branch area. And he moved to Tulsa, of all places, in college. And that's where he met my mom. And I was actually born there, but I don't tell a lot of people that. So I'm kind of giving it away here. But uh, 
I started, we moved back to Texas in 86. I was five. So I started kindergarten in Texas. So I, I call myself practically a native Texan. And uh, we moved to Houston, or for him, back to Houston three short years later. And uh, I was about eight or nine and uh, just kind of doing my thing on the northwest side of town and uh, living that, that good suburban life, uh, bankrolling, you know, the gangster rap in the early 90s with uh, purchases of Snoop Dogg <laughs> albums, that kind of thing, like, like every good suburban white boy did back then. But, uh, no, I, I knew in high school pretty, I'd probably say about midway through, that I kind of wanted to do what my dad did, which was be in radio. But oddly enough, my parents, ne- neither one of them ever really were into sports, and I just kind of got bitten by the bug um, probably about the beginning of junior high. So I, uh, I wanted to somehow parlay that into a job, which is not a job, talking sports and getting paid for it. And uh, pretty soon I was at Sam Houston State, and uh, the rest is kind of history. I, I had uh, a lot of people that were good to reach out to me when I was up and coming, and I was actually still in college. Uh, Chance McLean being one of them, you might be familiar with yes. his work, and uh, he's he's actually responsible for putting me on the radio. So anybody that doesn't like me, they can uh, look him up, and <laughs> anybody that does, they can give him credit. But um, he's the guy that kind of put me on the air at six ten, and I was doing Channel Two, like you mentioned, at the same time, and kind of going back and forth between the two for a while there. But um, yeah, I don't want to bore you with details, but I wound up at 790, and uh, this is actually my second stint there, <laughs> and uh, and that's where I'm at today. And yeah, doing Rockets uh, was was a blast. I'm not currently doing that, um, but it was awesome to do it when I did. And uh, yeah, just talking about Houston sports every day is is something that's you know it's a passion of mine. I, I want all the teams in town to win. Um, I, I I root for all of them, and I'm kind of. Not really, uh, you know, I, I don't really hide that fact. I'm kind of coming from the fans' perspective when I'm on the radio. But I also, you know, will hold any team accountable that I don't think is, you know, being run the right way or making the right moves, just like any of us. So um, it's it's been a crazy, weird, strange, fun journey, and uh, I'm enjoying it. Hey, that sounds really awesome. Um, I started doing this podcast, I would say, at the age of – 47 or 48 and i'm not going to give up my dream of being on the radio as well and we also have some things in common if you'd like me to share that with you uh you were born in tulsa yes i was actually born in midwest city oklahoma oh wow and and i moved to texas in 1989 after i graduated and when i was in high school in the late 80s we listened to gangster rap as well (laughs) bunch of white boys (laughs) But our jam was NWA, uh, I would say some Too Short, and maybe some Too Live Crew going. So we got a lot in common, the Astros as well. Oh, yeah. No, that's, that's the good stuff. That's the sweet spot right there. No, yeah, that's awesome. Um, well, I've got something in common, guys. I, I, feel like, I feel like Michael Scott on The Office. It's like I, I want to be – I want an inside joke now. Um, but <laughs> you feeling less yeah, out? Yeah, it's like, yeah, sometimes I get that. Sometimes I, I feel like Michael Scott is like really who I am in real life. But in what like current Astros player or coach have you most or do you most? In- as far as players go, I love talking to Alex Bregman because I feel like he's he's kind of like 
fans in that he just loves the game of baseball so much and he loves playing it and, and he just eats, breathes, sleeps baseball. And, um, you know, I, I just, I, I admire that about him as far as his, his makeup as a player. Um, but he's, he's really got the personality for it. Uh, it's, it just depends on what day it is as to whether or not he wants to really, you know, unleash it or if he kind of plays coy like he does with, uh, with Julia Morales a lot during those interviews after the game. But um, I, I like, I like uh, Alex Bregman, and I, I got the chance to sit down with A.J. Hinch about a year and a couple months ago, probably. It was, it was in June of last season. And what got me into his office was actually a long story, and I'll try to give you the Cliff Notes version, but I, I tweeted something during the ALCS, the year the Astros were winning the championship, the, the World Series, and uh, it didn't go over very well. And basically, uh, Je- Jeff Blum's a good friend of mine, he put us in the same room together because I was led to believe that it wasn't, you know, there was some bad blood, not necessarily with AJ personally, but just the Astros didn't like the way it went over or whatever. So we sit down in his office and it probably took about five minutes to, you know, talk that out. And it really, it was kind of blown out of proportion, at least on his side. Um, And we just, you know, buried the hatchet pretty quick. And then I proceeded to spend the next nearly hour and a half in his, his office there at Minute Maid. And this is before a game. Wow. And it's like it's probably six forty for a home game that starts a little after seven o'clock. And he's like, "Well, he gets up and he's like, I better, uh, I better go manage a game, I guess." And it's like <laughs> we we literally talked for probably an hour and a half. And I, you know, I don't, you know, rooting interest, all that kind of stuff. I'll just say this: I'd run through a brick wall for AJ Hinch after that conversation. That's um, awesome. And he's a psych major, so maybe he was uh, he was playing me. I I have no idea, <laughs> and I don't really care because. After having that kind of conversation one-on-one for that amount of time in his environment, his setting, um, you can see why they have such success. I mean, obviously, they've got a lot of really like elite-level players and a very good organization set in place. But the right guy to, to mix and match and pull the strings in, as far as an organizational leader in the clubhouse – I mean, they they hit a home run with AJ Hinch, and I will I'll take up for that guy till his very last day in the majors because he he's that good, and I think he's a big big reason for their success. And uh, anything that they do from here on out, I'll, I'll say the same thing. So uh, you're talking about AJ Hinch. Uh, were you were you aware that he graduated Midwest City High School? I, I feel like I knew he was from that area or, or went to school there. I know he went to Stanford, obviously, for college. But, yeah, he's yeah. – I mean, that's the thing about him. He, um, and, I, I mean, I really – he that is – he's got a persona that, that the cameras see, and then he's got one that is kind of behind the scenes. And, you know, that's, that's probably true of a lot of people that are in prominent positions, especially in sports, but – um, yeah. he's, he does a good job of balancing the two. I think that's why he's so successful, but yeah, I did, I did I was not aware that that was his high school setting. No. Yeah. So, uh, one of my friends from high school had sent me a message when they saw that I was all into the Astros and all that. And they were telling me that his sister actually transferred to the school I was at that I went to high school at and that she was a year younger than me, but I don't remember her. <laughs> well, and she's probably not doing something that is uh, as much in the spotlight as he is now. That's true. <laughs> so uh, my answer, if I could talk to somebody, it would be George Springer for sure. I think he's really cool. But Alex Bregman, 
he's definitely one of the coolest guys and he's really out there on social media. Uh, I think wheelhouse had stated in one of the podcasts earlier that he's pretty much turned himself into the face of the Astros. Yeah. I mean, that just, that's just, you know, a public perception and something I've learned just being in the, in the years that I've spent, whether it's in school or when I was in ministry, just being around kids and being around, people who are guiding you, administrators, leaders, perception is reality. And for, for Alex Bregman, I, I think he gives off that perception. Not only did it, did it, I think that's, you know, that's a big part of his uh, persona. And you said he's the, you know, the face of the franchise. And it's, I think it's true because I think, you know, Altuve is probably in the definition of that, you know, the face of the franchise, in my opinion, but he's, Everybody has every every one of those visible players has a different role that they play perfectly. And, you know, Springer is, I think, kind of the heart and soul, the clubhouse, that kind of thing. And Jose Altuve might be like, you know, the the quote unquote corporate face of the franchise. But I think somebody that embodies what they're all about, you know, the never say die, never out of it. on is, is definitely Alex Bregman. I, I would definitely agree with you on that. Yeah, definitely. Hey, uh Hey, speaking of Springer, uh, we talked about this before, too. Uh, do you have an opinion on why he hasn't been extended? Or do you think I have my notion is that it's probably either behind closed doors or they both already know whether or not it's going to happen? Um, here's what I know on that. I've been told that he has not been the happiest about the fact that it hasn't happened. I've also been told that it's not a panic situation in other words he might even test the free agency waters when when that day comes but he might not and and the the x factor uh ironically enough is aj hinch that this person who's very very well patched into the organization i trust their opinion um said that basically he's he's that father figure to george springer very very close relationship uh, off the field as well as on and that if push comes to shove, A.J. Hinch is not going to let George Springer put on any other uniform ever again, which is good because, you know, of all the people, I, I know everybody's going to talk about Garrett Cole this offseason, and I actually think they've got a better than average chance to keep him even with the Grinky deal. Mm-hmm. I know that's probably not the uh, majority opinion, but when it comes to the other, you know, players that are going to be up for deals sooner rather than later, uh, I think, George Springer is going to be a very high priority uh, for, for the people who matter when it comes to getting that deal done. Yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's kind of how I've, how I've felt. Not that I, not that I have some like psychic abilities or, you know, inside source, but um, I just, I just really see Springer being here long-term. I also had similar um, feelings Rob and I have talked about with Cole. I, I think they actually have a decent shot of getting Cole. So, so kind of, Using that, um, I want to kind of dovetail into um, one of these questions I've been wondering, because I think we are. But, um, Adam, do you think that we are in the golden age of Astros baseball? You see it on Twitter. You see it all over social media. And, and, and of course, you know, someone might say, well, how do you define golden age? And I don't know. I mean, do you think that we are we are on the precipice or in the midst of probably the greatest time to be an Astros fan first Adam I guess and then Rob your thoughts yeah yeah without a shadow of a doubt the, and, and here's the 
<clears throat> I give you the, the sexy reason and I'll give you the, the bare bones, not so sexy reason. I'll do that one first. <laughs> I mean, the Astros went to one World Series before 2017. Um, getting there was, was a great run, obviously. But And, and while that World Series with the, the White Sox, who they're going to start a series with tomorrow night, ironically, was, was close as far as the run total that separated the games, um, they didn't win a game. And it was, it was one of the more frustrating sporting events to ever watch as a Houston sports fan. But it's like that was, you know, that the, the year before that was the first time they had won a playoff series. You know, it, it, it seemed like or it was one of the first ones that there was a lot of years where they were a very good team, had the talent and, and everything else that you would want to to try and put them over the edge and probably most famously or infamously is, is 1998 when they won 102 games and they traded for Randy Johnson, knowing full well, he wasn't going to uh, come back here. But um, that team, that team should have won the world series or at least should have played against the Yankees in the world series and probably pushed them. Um, and we all know what happened with San Diego and Kevin Brown and, and all that. But I mean, when you talk about that 2005 team and then you compare it to the, the team that won it all in 2017 and, uh, was banged up last year, but but gave it a go and got to the ALCS. And this team, I actually think on paper, is a juggernaut that would actually just bludgeon the 2017 team. I, I, that might be a minority opinion as well. This team right now, I don't care what happened today with Osuna, they are they are on a nuclear mission. Um, I, I thought the 17 team was good. This team, this team right now is, is unbelievable. Um, no, <laughs> tell you what. Same source that talked to me about the Springer situation mm -hmm. said that uh, they were having a discussion with, with some people inside the Astros. And they think they came to the conclusion you could very, very well make an argument that this is top to bottom the best team ever mm. in baseball, ever. That includes, you know, the early, you know, Yankees teams and, you know, the 27 Yankees or whatever, you know, put them all up there, put them all out there. And of course, they've got a win to back it up. But I, I just don't – I didn't see a team beating the Astros four out of seven games before the Grinky deal and before Alvarez came up. And now that those two things have happened, I just – I don't see any team beating this club four out of seven. And don't even talk to me about the Dodgers. Um, I actually think the Yankees would be more of a threat to derailing the Astros and I don't think either one of those teams has a shot against the Astros. And that's not the homer in me. I just think they're that talented and that overwhelmingly good. Yeah, so I guess so the long you answer ask is yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, so this, is, this is definitely it right now. We're in the middle of it. I don't know how long it's going to last. I think, you know, re-signing Cole and, and guys like Springer, obviously, that, that goes a long way. But here's the thing. Even if they didn't for some reason, and that goes with Cole, that goes with Springer, whatever, you know, in, plug in a guy's name that you want to see stay here that for some reason doesn't. Hasn't Jeff Luno gained your trust at this point with some of the moves he's made? I mean, Charlie Morton not coming back is probably his biggest boo-boo, and they're doing just fine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say the uh, when you asked about it being the golden age, I was thinking maybe we haven't been that good long enough. Okay. But I think we actually made the playoffs in 2015. We've been highly competitive. This is our fifth year in a row of being highly competitive with no end in sight. So this could be the golden age for like 10 years. And so I agree with you. I think we're really good. 
And I told Will House before, I mean, there's no way if we don't stay healthy. I mean, as long as we stay healthy that we don't win the World Series, there's no way. You've added Alvarez to the team that was already awesome. We got Brantley, and now you add Greenkey in the trade. This is by far, I agree with you, the best team we've ever had and probably the best team that's ever been on the field in history. And I wanted to add one thing to you. Uh, just a disclaimer here. I was going to ask you something earlier, but I couldn't think of the guy's name. But you talked about A.J. Hinch uh, being the glue or whatever, however you worded it, uh, to keeping them together, like a father figure or whatever. Um, I always felt like Bo Porter never really got a fair shake, and I wondered if he could have won the World Series with the, this group of guys that we have now. Yeah, I, I don't know um... – I don't know that I was around him enough to give an educated, I guess, opinion on that. I think that also, and I might be, no, you know what? I'm, I'm probably mixing it up with, uh, with when Cecil Cooper's tenure was here, they had a string of, of managers that are by all accounts, um, you know, good baseball guys, but yeah. because of the, the rebuilding process they were going through, it just wasn't, you knew, in fact, Wex and I talked about this on our show last week those managers, all of them took the job knowing pretty well, they were going to be fired or probably want yeah. the long-term salute. Cause it just, you just look at the roster and um, that's while that's part of what made them start to win the way they're doing now. So satisfying. If you were a team that was watching 162 games of suck for several years in a row. And uh, I, I'll be honest, I wasn't one of those people. I, I just, I cannot watch bad baseball on a routine basis or I will absolutely just light myself on fire. <laughs> it's just, you know, and, and I, that's kind of true for, for a lot of sports. Um, you can call me a fair weather fan. I understand there's a process. I understand you got to keep tabs on these teams, but you're lying. If you're telling me that you enjoyed watching those seasons, if you watched every single night and I don't believe you, if you did watch, if you do say you watched every single night, because it was that bad, but again it does make you appreciate the process and and what they've become but um yeah I, I don't know if I don't know if Bo Porter would have been able to win with these teams I kind of think that he'd he'd have a pretty good record yeah but I, I really when I say that about AJ Hinch I, I'm not you know it's not a Phil Jackson roll the ball out for Michael Jordan Scottie Pippen and Dennis Rodman type of thing I, he's got a, a a lot of talent but I mean, sort of those Braves teams in the nineties and they have one world series to show for it. Um, you have to pull the right strings. You have to, and I, and I talked about that with, with AJ. Um, he talked a little bit about the interpersonal relationships and I, I I'm not going to get into specifics just because I wouldn't want to betray that trust. But you know, if you think he's, if he's, if you don't, if you don't think he's managing certain players differently than others, going about his business in a very meticulous and uh, uh, deliberate manner with, with how he handles certain situations in front of the cameras in a way uh, you're kidding yourself. And, and that's why I don't, I don't know if I can answer the, the same for Bo Porter. I just, I really believe in what AJ Hinge brings to the table and, and what he has accomplished already and will probably still accomplish as a manager because of what he has brought to the table. Um, you know, he, it's easy to say that it didn't look aesthetically pleasing when, when Jim Crane got there because a, of course the, the losing, but B, I mean, remember his first few press conferences and, and then obviously 
there was the the controversy behind some of his hiring practices and his businesses. And so he kind of brought an air of a, um, I don't want to say a villain, but he just, he wasn't Drayton McLean. That's for sure. Drayton was, you know, put his arm around you. We want to be champions today. And, you know, everything was all hunky dory all the time when it really wasn't. And, um, but, but, you know, Reed gets there and suddenly the, the PR side of things is maybe not what fans wanted to hear at first, but give the, the Astros credit for this. They were up front. And they said, we're going to lose. We're going to lose a lot because we are tearing this thing down. We are building it from the foundation up and uh, just know that that's what we're doing. But, you know, they go out and they hire Luno. And, I mean, that guy, why he doesn't already have a statue erected of him outside the stadium right now, I have no idea. But um, I actually texted Reed that the other day, and he goes, he's got to win four World Series, and then we'll do it. <laughs> so I said, okay. That's that's fair. But um, yeah, just organizationally, top to bottom, they really are first class. Um, Just, you know, some of the the lower tier employees, and I don't mean that in a derogatory sense, just they're not at the top of the food chain as as far as the organization. Even those employees that I've dealt with, it's just I just don't have any bad experiences with with any Astros staffers ever. That's awesome. So, so Adam, I want to, I want to, um, veer a little bit. Um, and if that's, if that's okay with Rob, um, Rob, would you be interested in knowing if, of course, Adam, this is something I'm kind of springing on you. So, um, I'm, I'm not immune to, I'm, I mean, I'm okay with, with, with the no answer, but, um, how would, how would Jim Rome, how would Jim Rome <laughs> predict the all right, let's talk about H-Town. The Astros absolutely bludgeoning the competition right now. And don't look now, but they have about a million opponents coming up between now and October that are below 500. So they're pretty much going to be using them as human punching bags from now until the end of the season. And do I think they're going to have home field? Hell yes, I do. The <laughs> Yankees have no prayer. They cannot hit against this lineup. It's nice to beat Baltimore like they do 20 times a year, but you're going up up against Verlander, against Cole, against that weirdo, Zach Grinke, and, of course, Wade Miley, who is just another dude who went in, got into Brent Strom's laboratory, and became the next Cy Young Award winner. I'm kidding, but you know what I mean. Clones, this team is unbelievable. They are a steamroller, and MLB better look the hell out and yes, I do mean even my L.A. Dodgers out. Oh, that is awesome. <laughs> Dan Ovation. Ch- channeling uh, what, what he might say over there in, in Southern California. You know it killed him to watch the, lo- the Dodgers lose to both the Astros and the Red Sox in consecutive seasons. You just know it. All right, all right, all right. You got to <laughs> – what, what do you think uh, Matthew McConaughey would uh, say about these Astros? Here's the thing about the Astros, okay? They're from Texas. And so anytime you take a, t- a baseball team from Texas and you start looking at them going up against any other squad from any other inferior state, you know you're going to go with those Texas boys every single time. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> That's awesome. I have no idea how this is translating on a, uh, on a, a phone line and, and an internet line, so I hope that's working. <laughs> I don't know about you, Rob. What do you think? It sounds great to me. Okay. Yeah, it sounds good. And going on what uh, 
Adam said earlier about you breaking up. There was one of the first episodes we did about the trade deadline. He was breaking up and we let him know it. But once the uh, show came out, it didn't show up. It didn't come out on the, on the, what do you call it? The final product. It didn't come out. So if, if he's breaking up like a robot, just try to hear everything you can. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I was, I I was pretty much the third wheel that episode. We had added two guys. And they were like, okay, Brett, that's great. And I was like, man, this is like when I was growing up. Like, we'd be riding bikes. Ah, let's ditch Brett. Hey, guys, wait for me. <laughs> Story of my life. <laughs> so, yeah, technology isn't always convenient. It isn't. Um, so, you know, Rob and I have been doing this podcast really not that long. Um, what do you think about the day that we're in right now with radio, with, with like podcasts, with you guys on the, you know, on the airwaves, you know, y'all sponsorships, we're at a different level. Do you think it, do you think it's good for the sport? Do you think it's good for radio to have all these other outlets? Does it make it more challenging for you or is it just, you just go about your business regardless of what other mediums are out there? Well, I mean, I can only speak for me because everybody's situation is unique in, in every business, but obviously in this one. And, you know, I think, I think more voices is good. More choices is good just because of, you know, variety. Um, Does it make it a challenge to keep people's attention? Maybe. Yeah. I think maybe somewhat, I I don't know that someone just now starting into the, the radio business might have it as easy as, as maybe someone who's been in the business for 15, 20, 25 years. But then again, uh, that might be the opposite because they bring a fresh approach or a fresh new perspective. So I, I'm one of those people that you mentioned that kind of tends to just kind of mind my business. I, I, there's just as an aside, there, there's, there are people here in this market that like to talk a lot. Um, and, and obviously that's the business that we're in, but I'm talking about, you know, talking about other people in the mm, business. Yes. And I just, I try to stay away from that. I, I know that, you know, Twitter is a whole other animal. Hmm. 95% of the time, if I'm in some stupid Twitter fracas, whatever you want to call it, uh, someone came after me and I think just assumed that I wouldn't say something back. <laughs> and to that end, and you know, much to my wife's chagrin, because she doesn't think this is the case, but you know, I do ignore a huge chunk of that kind of stuff that is thrown my way, but I also will engage occasionally and it doesn't matter if you have four followers or 4 million followers, you know, if it's a conversation I feel like having, I'll have it. But I just feel like, you know, I try and stay in my lane, do my thing, worry about me. If something comes my way and I want to go after it, all right, fine. If not, that's fine too. I'll ignore some, I'll engage others. But I, I, I really do tend to just kind of worry about, what I'm doing. And if people like that, that's great. It's good for me. It's good for them. I think if they don't, I've never under, I've really never understood someone that just goes out of their way to let you know about it, especially if they don't follow you or if they do follow you, you know, or if they do listen to you or not, it's like, it's not hard to figure out how to handle that. Change the channel, unfollow, ignore whatever you got to do. I've just never understood that aspect of it. That's the only part of it that really like confuses me because if if you, 
I, I get this a question a lot. How do you rile up so many people? <laughs> well, I don't wake up every day trying to, but if I do and they want to let me know about it and then I say something back and then they get their feelings hurt or whatever, it's like, well, what did you expect? So I just kind of, like I said, I, I do focus on what I'm trying to do at the station and, and um, you know, social media and whatever else. And some people like it, some people don't. It's like anything, but it, it, like, it is really true what they say. If everybody likes you or if you don't have people saying that kind of stuff, then you're, you're not doing your job right. So um, I, I'm, I'm anything but boring. So on Twitter, I, I don't know how many follows you, followers you have, but I don't really have very many at all. I think a little over 100. And there's part of me that uh, – because I'll get involved in some political tweets – Mm-hmm. in a way and there's part of me that thinks i should maybe stay out of it just in case someone listens to the show or follows me and i might lose i might lose them like an example uh there's a guy i've been you know talking to he's actually been on my podcast before named james uh he was on the show because he was a he's a evan gaddis blogger or at least he was you know previous years prior to this year <laughs> prior to this year yeah. and uh but he's always like retweeting stuff and then I answer it and then he sort of attacks me <laughs> for my answer. <laughs> but what he doesn't realize is I'm not replying to him. I'm replying to the tweet that he retweeted <laughs> yeah. or that he commented on. Right. And this guy thinks I'm a, a Trump loving member of the KKK just because I don't I'm not the far left liberal. So right. I kind of so I kind of wonder sometimes if I shouldn't, you know, say stuff like that. And uh, also what you were saying about uh, blocking people, that's that's the thing. If you don't like what I say or you don't like what one of you guys say, just block them. You don't have to listen to it. You don't have to read them or whatever you want to say. You have the ability to block it, but the people nowadays, they just want to complain about stuff. And let's not make this political. Keep it a baseball wheelhouse. Go ahead. Yeah, no, yeah. I just, um, you know, I agree. And, and of course, I've, I've, I've gotten into some hot water here and there. And, um, and I think sometimes, like, gotten into it accidentally or either just by default because maybe I'm, I'm, I'm ignorant of, what they call Twitter etiquette, if there is such a thing, because, you know, Twitter actually has the ability to be a really great platform, but man, is it toxic? I mean, it is absolutely toxic. I would say eight times out of 10. And, you know, the people, you know, Adam, I've actually read through some of the, I guess, spats that you've had with, with various fans and, it's always, I'm sitting there going, this is like, this person, surely they realize that if they say something, if they call Adam out, he's not just going to sit there and go, oh, okay. But I can't imagine that you would be able to respond to it all. And, and, that's, and that's probably, I guess, one of, the, um, one of the things that comes along with being on the airwaves, you know, with, with iHeartMedia, with the larger media company, and having a larger listening audience you have you kind of open yourself up more to those things but like you said if people aren't getting upset if people aren't talking about what you're talking about then you're really not doing your job and and um i enjoy your brand i enjoy what you do and i enjoy your show with 
with Adam Wexler because when y'all disagree, it doesn't sound like you're disagreeing because the show goes better if y'all don't have the same opinion, but y'all have genuine like disagreements and like y'all both back up your opinion with some sort of fact that supports what you think. And I think people on Twitter, I think there's a lot of people on Twitter that just can't handle real information, good information. Some of them can, some of them do a great job, but I think at the end of the day, you just got to pick your battles, right? Yeah. I mean, and can you guys still hear me? Cause I, I'm kind of, I think it's on a speakerphone now. Is that still working? Yes. Yeah. yeah I can hear okay. It's, it's for whatever reason, the connection's better when I pulled the phone away from my face and it went to speaker. So, um, no, I, I think that's true. I think that, um, the thing about Twitter is that it's, it's obviously a playground for the keyboard warriors because you can say a lot of things and, and a lot of people do it from an anonymous account or, you know, without revealing their real identity or their face. And that's kind of the weird thing about meeting people um, is that it'll be like, well, I'm such and such from Twitter. Oh, well, I didn't know your <laughs> real name. I didn't know what you looked like, you know, and, and, yeah, you know, with me, I'm Astro's dick slap. Right, right. Like, I've never met Astro's underscore um, hockey Astro's fan, if you will. I've never met him, but I think the guy's hilarious, and I, I meet him because he's funny. But it's like, it's a weird, it's a weird angle, or I guess what I do for a living because it is such a big part of the grand scheme. Things. We're talking about twenty percent at any given time so you're not you have to kind of balance that and that's i think i i know i do this i know a lot of other hosts do it where you take something someone says on twitter about you or your show or something related to the job and you that the gospel it's one person that may or may not be a real person and and it's, you know, it's not necessarily the majority. It's, it's kind of, it's similar to the ratings, you know, like ratings are very, very flawed the way they are measured in radio. Um, and just to kind of break it down without getting like nerded out and, and too complicated. For every station. You're talking about five people. You know, so it's a very, like, pertinent analogy to, to what we're talking about, where a very small sample size can determine some things, but in most of the time, it's really not determining the majority. And, and I think that's where you got to kind of balance it out and keep telling yourself that. And I, and I fight this, and I know a lot of other hosts do, too, where... Well, we already talked about that an hour ago. Yeah, but a different set of ears has now gotten into their car and is now listening for five minutes. And if you're not hitting on that topic, they think you didn't talk about it that day. And you're turning off a potential, you know, serial listener. It, it, there's a lot to take into account. And social media has kind of thrown a wrench into all of it. And, and like you said, it can be very good. It can be a very good thing. And it can be a very toxic thing. And you just kind of you have to learn how to balance that out on your own, your own personal way. Yeah, definitely. Hey, going off what you just said, um, I'll get home in the morning and watch like a uh, hot stove or ESPN or something. And my wife will walk by and, and just like you said, she's like, they, they've already talked about this three times since I've been in here making breakfast. Right. 
And it's and like what you're saying, I never even thought about that, but I might get up at six thirty and watch it before I leave. Another guy might get up at seven before he leaves. And so that makes perfect sense that you gotta you got different times that the audience is gonna get on and you gotta make sure that they hear it. Or like you said, they're you know, they're gonna think you didn't cover it. Right. Exactly. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.